My good people, what's happening with you? Yeah, Professor's back. He's bringing the heat, as you know it. I don't play around. I don't bump dance with the goddamn Sambo lips. I don't do that, brother. I come straight at you. I'm glad a lot of you survived this pandemic. I'm glad a lot of you are doing well. But we cannot forget about the people who have died, who are sick, and who are out there, man, and don't have the help. There are still a lot of issues that have to be addressed. There are issues with infant mortality, the fact that that's up. There are issues with maternal mortality, the fact that that's up. There's issue with suicides in the black community, that's up. There's issues with homicide in the black community, that's up. I mean, we're number one on every chart prior to the pandemic. And now that the pandemic is here, it seems to exacerbate it. And we seem to be going up, but we damn sure ain't going to heaven because we're not following the righteous road to handling this situation. We have to put a concerted effort to fight these issues. We've been concentrating on getting vaccinated more than we've been concentrating on dealing with the problems prior to the vaccination, prior to the vaccine, prior to the virus. We seem to have forgotten. We seem to have forgotten that the healthcare community, the policing community, and the white community ain't never give a damn about us. We seem to have forgotten that. I don't know how you could forget these things. How can you forget getting a foot up your ass? Because that's what they're doing. They're putting a foot up your ass every single day. And a lot of y'all just thank you so much for the vaccine. Thank you so much for the things that you're doing for us. They ain't doing a damn thing for us. You honestly think they're working for us out of humanitarian feelings in their heart? They making money. The pharmaceutical company has been living off your black asses for a hundred years. For a hundred years. There are so many CEOs in that pharmaceutical division who are billionaires because of you and the pathologies that you have that are killing you, man. And you know what's so bad about it? that we got control over some of these things, but they're not telling you that. We got control over getting well. They're not telling you that. We've got control over what happens in our community and controlling the hospital systems, but they're not telling you that. We can control a lot of things in our community if we stay righteous and stop being cowards. Staying righteous means that you believe in the most high and that you believe the most high can make the change and you look for that direction. That's staying righteous. That you fear the most high and you fear man. That's staying righteous. When we look back at our history and you should always look back at your history when there's a problem, we learn about self-sufficiency. Who talked about that? The Honorable Drew Ali? The 
the Honorable Marcus Garvey, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, the Honorable Malcolm X, and the Honorable Louis Farrakhan and others talked about self-sufficiency. We ain't self-sufficient, man. We own nothing. We grow nothing. And we don't even take care of ourselves. We got to turn to that system every time. I'm saying be self-sufficient at the same time demand what is supposed to come to you. I owe you $20. You want to kick my ass. I owe you $20 and you want to kill me. This society owes you 500 years of labor, racism, miseducation, and you ain't going to do nothing. If you do nothing for yourself, at least do something for your seed, for your baby. A lot of y'all talk that talk about how y'all fathers and y'all stand up there to my how you die for your child. And man, please, they're killing your babies every day in these hospitals. And you ain't hear none of y'all. They're killing your baby's mothers in these hospitals. And I ain't hear none of y'all. I ain't hear you say nothing, man. You talking about you gangster? Let me see how gangster you really are. Use that energy, man, for something else besides killing each other. Use that energy to educate each other, you damn fools. We ain't got nothing going on, man. We ain't got nothing going on. But there are some of us that are pushing. And today, I got a sister from the Nation of Islam, Sister Teresa Muhammad, who is a traditional birth person or traditional doula. And other sisters out of Delaware and Philadelphia have committed themselves to the forefront of saving black women's lives and saving black babies' lives. A doula. Look it up if you don't know what it is because it might be something that you're interested in. They handle fertility. They handle prenatal and birth. They handle postpartum, they handle end of life, and they handle grief. You need to be self-sufficient when it comes to dealing with your babies and your baby's mothers. Any society that does not stand up for their women and their children is a doomed society. And we're on our way to be doomed if we don't stand up and start supporting our own people in this medical field and start looking for traditional help and alternative medicine that have helped us be healthy for a thousand years. So, Sister Muhammad, I thank you for being on this show. I thank the Nation of Islam for teaching Sister Muhammad and supporting her. And I thank all the sisters out there who have dedicated themselves to become traditional doulas, midwives, obstetrics, and gynecologists who are really stepping up to help black women. We got to protect them. They're valuable, and we got to protect those babies. So without further ado, here's my interview with Sister Teresa Muhammad. My good people, 
Yes, we rolling now. I told you we're going to bring you some heat. And we got the heat on the phone right now. I got Sister Teresa Muhammad, a certified doula, working out of uh, the Delaware, Philadelphia area. But as I said in the introduction, she'll go anywhere to save our Black families, to save our Black wives, to save our Black children. So, Sister, how are you doing today? Salam alaikum. Walaikum salam. I'm excellent. I feel really good. Thank you for having me. Oh, listen, we've talked about this for a while, getting this going. You know, we talked about this over a year ago. Allah sets the time. We don't set the time. Am I right on that? Indeed. Indeed the truth. And now is the perfect time. And now is the perfect time. Listen, tell me a little bit about what you were doing. You said you were in Mexico. Were you working as a, a doula in Mexico? Uh, yes, sir. I was taking care of a postpartum portion of um, a client. I, she did a a home birth unassisted with her husband, um, with myself and another uh, doula on the line with her. And um, we kind of guided them over the phone. But for her postpartum, I went to check on her and stuff like that. So I flew to Mexico to do that. Good. You know, I didn't know uh, what doulas were. I mean, I didn't have an idea uh, what they were until recently. I'm talking about within the recent years. And as a, as a medical physician who has seen uh, and who has delivered babies, because I've delivered at least 20, maybe 20 to 25 babies. Um, and uh, I knew about midwives, but I didn't know about doulas. Give the audience a little idea of what is a doula and what is some of the responsibilities of a doula. Sure. So first, let me clear the word doula. Um, it's a newer word, and it is really, in truth, for our people, more on the derogatory side, because it means a uh, woman's slave and basically someone who caters to a woman. Now, historically and traditionally, women have always centered around each other and held space, what we call holding space for one another. And in, in those spaces during birth, during death, during all of those transitions, um, natural progressions in life, there have always been those companions. You know, um, doula is a new term. I tend to use birth worker or, you know, birth keeper more so. Um, and most traditional uh, quote unquote doulas today really dislike the word doula, but we use it just for familiarity's sake because people don't really know um, any other word to term us by. Um, but that is what a doula is. So what we do is support mothers. We educate them on all of the things concerning birth, pregnancy, fertility. Um, even before you become pregnant, we deal with family planning. We deal with the postpartum stages. We deal with all of those things, educating women, um, showing them the proper nutrition to eat for all of the different things. Because, you know, we like to traditionally say that our kitchen is our medicine cabinet. So everything pertaining to the growth and development of a baby, a lot of it has to do with nutrition. Another part has to also do with uh, the atmosphere that you're in, your environment. So we try to show you how to set the atmosphere, have a good environment to eat the proper foods and educate you where the medical community is not really educating our people properly, especially the way that they're being educated. But I'm sure we'll go into that further. But, you know, that's pretty much the gist of what a doula is, is that support person that 
that sister that you got by your side that's not going to let you go, that's going to hold you, that's going to make sure all things are well for you. And today it means in the hospital really like legit fighting for you, fighting for your life, fighting for your ability to have autonomy, to be able to speak, to be able to have your rights respected. You know, when you talk about uh, women supporting women, when you say traditional now, I remember, you know, all my my entire uh, ancestral uh, generation were delivered at home. My father, my father's brothers, my aunts, my grandparents, they were all delivered at home. And they were called midwives, but they were really, uh, they were really traditional doulas who were, uh, they weren't licensed, but they had the knowledge to be able to understand exactly how to deliver that baby, how to deliver that child and be able to have a, a traditional feel around that delivery. Now, when you say traditional doula, what's a non-traditional doula? What does that mean? Well, um, for me, and probably most you know, traditional doulas, it's a non-traditional doula is someone who is really taught by the same medicalized industry of people that don't do things according to our old ways. I, what you're talking about, home birth, um, you know, doing things the natural way, not everything having to be um, intervention, a medical intervention, something having to be medicalized. There's a lot of doulas today that still support that or don't really fully know traditional ways. So they really can't compete in that arena. Um, to say, no, I know what to do for high blood pressure and it doesn't have to be that. You know what I mean? Right. So basically, basically, traditional doulas are advocates for black women or women in general and making sure that they can navigate the medical system and prepare them for birth uh, in a way that society has not accepted as of yet. I'll give you, for instance, when you look at these numbers, you look at these numbers, you have 17.2 deaths per 100,000 live births just in America just in America alone. However, that number jumps to 43.5 per 100,000 births. That's a lot of black women who are dying in birth. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we're not addressing it. We're not addressing it. And to your point of, you know, what we do in the fight right now, but we also bring back what was stolen away from us because we've been doing this, you know, we're the original people of the planet. So our ways during the transatlantic slave trade and during, you know, Jim Crow and all of these things, our traditions were robbed away from us, but there are some that held on to it, that had it, that are giving it to others. And we're trying to not just help navigate, but we're also trying to bring back our traditional ways to our sisters, to our people, so that right. we can get ahead. It's in us, but sometimes we just have to be reminded because we've been so far removed from it. But my, my point is, why would I want to go into a health system that I know these numbers, 43.5, are going to die given childbirth who are Black? Why would I go into a healthcare system without an advocate as a physician and someone who's delivered babies? And, and I was just talking to somebody about that the other day. When I first started going to obstetrics and gynecology, that's not my specialty. But of course, you have to go through those rotations. I delivered about maybe 20 to 25 babies, let's say. Of the 20 or 25 babies, only one vaginally. 
every single one of those was Assyrian sections, which I knew was wrong. There's no possible way that every single black person that came in there were getting a C-section and they were getting them multiple times. So if you had a C-section the first time, they were giving you the C-section the second time. All they're doing was going through that same scar tissue and the third time and the fourth time. And as anyone has seen a C-section delivery, it, it, it is traumatic. I'll give you for instance, when I first started with the C-section deliveries, they used me to pull the baby out. And the, 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 the C-section itself was small. So there's only enough for to get to get the baby's head to move. So I had to put my hands in there and I started pulling on the baby's head. So they're like, pull. I was like, wait a minute, man. I'm not gonna pull this baby out and pull his head off. That's what I'm thinking. Cause you know, I'm scared. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about this. I've never seen this before. No, pull. So I end up pulling the baby out. And I'm looking at the mother and the trauma that she's going through. And I'm saying to myself, this gotta be a money deal. And I looked into it and yes, it's a money deal. You have increase in billing based on that. Not only with the hospital, but for the gynecologist and obstetrics, and also for the anesthesiologist. So it's a, all a money grab. So if you're going to go into a hospital, you need to have somebody like a traditional doula to be your advocate. Do you feel comfortable with me saying that? Oh, absolutely. A thousand percent. And I would even go further to say, if you can, you know, not necessarily, you know, some people do have to go to a hospital, but if you you know, have no issues, you know, no problems, try to do as much as you can in a, a home birth or in a birth center birth that rather than going to a hospital, try your hardest to get with. And it's, it's a few people, you know, it's not enough of us in that industry in the, in the first place to really reach out to. So that's a default and, you know, the duty of the collective, you know, on that even if even if some of our sisters wanted to do that, there's not enough of us to assist. And the, the thing is, is that I think that also we don't have the information out there. Like people don't realize that your baby has a, a higher chance of dying delivered by a white physician than a black physician. You know what I mean? Your baby has a higher chance of dying if you, like you said, you don't have the right information on how to give it prenatal care. And you are also, black women go into suicidal thoughts after postpartum sometimes, and they don't know how to deal with it and nobody to turn to. So to me, as, as you explained it to me, a doula is somebody to help you transition through this process, give you the best information, you can make the best decisions, and is there for you after the process, in case you run into problems, is that correct? That's that's per and and for life, really, because my mamas they call me all the time. We're we're family, you know, at this point, and it's a community thing. And I just wanted to address too um, some a, a question that you posed, where you said, you know, you asked why do women, you know, still go to the hospital even with those rates, even knowing that, and a big part of it is fear. And it's something that has been passed down. We unfortunately fear ourselves. You know, we fear the power that we have within us to birth naturally. You know, we jump in to get an epidural. We jump, you know, say, oh, I'm not trying to push because it hurts. But every, you know, mama that I've, uh, that I've assisted that has had a natural birth or a home birth 
has all said the same, like, wow, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, you know, and thank you for helping me through it because everything is about your atmosphere, your environment. You know, we, we, we always on a go, we on always on a hustle bustle. And that's a part of, you know, um, the, the education part that we teach those things. We teach you how to ground yourself, how to center yourself, doing yoga, doing different um, healing things that we've traditionally gotten so far removed from. And a lot of the, what I would call non-traditional doulas, you know, they kind of give us that, you know, where they say that, that voodoo hoodoo type of thing, but that's not what that is that, you know, dealing with the herbal um, alternatives and dealing with natural remedies and um, massages and even chiropractic medicine and all of those different things. That's our, you know, that's natural ways. That's a natural ways. Of those things because that's how we've been, you know, trained. That's how we've been brought up, brought up through, you know, the transatlantic slave trade and white supremacy. We've been robbed of it. That's the absolute direct cause of it. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. Right. And the CDC right. even recognizes that racism is the reason for the disparity and that the majority of deaths can be prevented. Oh, 100%. 100%. Well, let me put it this way. I think I, I personally feel that doulas are necessary, especially traditional doulas. Like I went to your website and I looked at what you do, and it is a traditional process to put the woman in a historical, traditional mindset that this is the most wonderful thing that can happen to you. And we're going to treat you as a queen during this process. Now, I'm going to give you, for instance, when my son was born, I'd massaged my wife's feet. I massaged her legs. I made herbal baths for her. I massaged her back. I went shopping. I did everything. Well, let me just tell you the truth. I didn't do any of those things because I didn't know. <laughs> you understand? Right. Right. I didn't know what to do. I was 26 years old, shitting in my pants. All I knew right. to do was, hey, man, I got to go get some money. I got to get out of here. I got to become a, a professional basketball player so I got to bring some money home. In your traditional sense, if I would have known these things, and, and, I, and I sent this to her to show her all these processes, I said, man, I wish I would have known this because I could have participated in helping to go through this process because I think men in general have no idea of the spiritual, the mental, the physical aspects of childbirth. And we tend to think that, oh, okay, let them handle that. No, man, you got to respect this because it, this is a way to bring in your seed in the most inclusive and spiritual environment and give the baby a relaxation area and the mother a spiritual feel that will go on through the life of this baby. It's like naming your child. We named, our, mm -hmm. uh, my son named his grandchild Malachi. You know what I mean? Messenger of God. you got to live up yeah. to those names. So this gives you an opportunity to say you were born in this environment and now you have to live up to that. Am I, am I correct in that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's what we do as, you know, traditional uh, doulas, we do the massages. I do massages. I'll, you know, sis, you want me to grease your scalp and braid your hair up for you? I got you. Right. Just as Black women, period. We're so strong. 
and we do so much, too much. We don't even ask for help most of the time because it's just like, I'll just do it. It's just the routine. It's a cycle that we do. And because of that, I like to, and I know many doulas that do some, there's some beautiful Black doula. I'm just one of many who I'm thankful to share space with and do this work. But that will go above and beyond. And you don't even have to open your mouth to ask. We got you. And traditionally, um, in many cultures, men are not necessarily present, even though they play a vital role, which we do teach how to do, you know, at home, all of the things and how you can experience these things together. And in some cultures, men are present, but in a lot of them, the men aren't. And it's the sisterhood that kind of deals with those things. Well, I want the sisterhood to deal with it, but I want the men to understand the process that is necessary so we can have a traditional movement throughout their lifetimes and out through their generations. For instance, if my wife is uh, being uh, handled by a traditional doula, I like my daughter to be handled by a traditional doula. If my grandson, he gets married and he has children, I want him to. So we want to be able to understand what the process is. I don't want you to say, oh, I got a traditional doula coming over. and I have no idea what that is. You know what I mean? I need to be as a man to support um, this process and to be able to understand that if I see issues in my wife after birth, which is postpartum depression or postpartum issues, I can intervene and call a doula and say, you know what? She's, she's, she's not, something's wrong here. Can you, can you just take a look at this for me? I think I should have that responsibility. And do you accept that type of communication? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the, the, even the statistics show that maternal mortality rate is not just immediate postpartum. It's up to a year. Yes, up to a year. Yes. You know, there's women that are dying later. So having that communication, being able to pay attention to all of those signs. Absolutely. We teach that. We welcome that. That's a part of our process. It's a whole family. The children know if the grandparents are, you know, involved, they're learning as well because it's, you know, generationally for, you know, you're talking over 400 plus years of us being removed from that, you know, our, our parents and our grandparents don't necessarily know everything. So it's a whole family education thing, um, which, you know, for me, I would love to be able to get into schools. I think doulas should be teaching the health classes. A hundred percent. They need to have the medical schools open up their programs to traditional doulas to give education to these obstetrics and gynecology people who are going to be specializing and delivering these babies to understand. Because let me tell you something, the system don't give shit about black babies and black women, whether they live or die. Because if they did, then every obstetrics and gynecology program in the country would be an uproar and be an emergency situation. If I was a hospital, I would be at the mortality and morbidity meetings every day in obstetrics and find out why are these babies dying and why are these black women dying? What do we have to do? But like I always say, and this is from a medical point of view, this is from a social point of view, and this is from me being black. To me, a lot of these people think we got them dogs delivering puppies and they don't give a damn. And we got to stop that. We got to turn to our traditional doulas. We have to educate ourselves on what our rights are. We have to control these hospitals by setting up these committees. And we got to be able to go in there and talk about it. And if there's an issue, I don't want to talk to the uh, 
to the liaison of the hospital. I want to talk to the president of the hospital. I want to talk to the director of the obstetrics and gynecology and find out why they're treating this woman like that. Let me give you a story. I was at a hospital working and I walked into a room uh, and there was a black woman in a bed and I looked and I saw a fetus, a dead fetus in a bucket. You know the kind of uh, a buckets that you get when you go to a hotel and you take the ice out, like an ice bucket, but it's a clear bucket. And I saw a fetus there. I looked around, nobody's in the room. So I said, I said, excuse me, ma'am, this is your baby? She said, yes, she's crying. I said, no one called uh, your husband or anyone that needs to be called? She said, no, no one called anyone. I said, did they call your pastor? Did they call your any religious a person in your family or in your neighborhood that you want to talk to. No, no one did anything. I said, can I remove this fetus at this time? And I'll make sure I take care of it. Don't you worry. I'm going to take care of this. I went out there. I raised so much hell. This is a hospital in the Bronx. I raised so much hell. And the people that were involved in this were trying to, trying to fight me on this issue. So you know what I did? I wrote their ass up. I said, I'm going to get you fired. That's why I'm not going to talk with you no more because you're ignorant. So that shows you from that prime example of what it's about. So I went in immediately and had the pastor from the hospital get right in that damn room. I got to make sure she had a people call her family. I made sure she had her own religious advisors come there. And I asked her, how do you want to handle it ceremonially? Let's start talking about this. But they treat us like that. Now, can you imagine if I had not stepped in that room? It would just been another day in a black neighborhood with a black woman in distress. That happens every single day. And it's one thing to educate, you know, them. They have implicit bias training. and But for me and many, <laughs> like my mindset is that just leave us alone. You can't have sympathy for somebody who you don't love, who you don't care about in deep in there. You know, like when you see your brother, your sister going through that, there was something inside of you, a compassion that compelled you to take care of her. But they don't have that same compassion for us. We've been trying to be a part of and there's still the same result today. So I feel and many feel that we need our own spaces to take care of ourselves. We've been doing it ourselves, but I get the fact that, you know, they're saying they're trying, but in the meantime, women and babies are still dying. Our women and babies are still dying. So in the meantime, until you get yourself together, we'll take care of ourselves really should be what's echoed all across the world right now, because it's clear you can't deny the history and you can't deny what's happening. You can't deny the data. The da Listen, they always want to go on data. They ask about data. They always want to do it. You can't deny the data. Black women are dying on maternal births and black fetuses are dying in the hospitals. I mean, in the hospitals. And like you said, a year after because of these right. complications. You know, and nobody's advocating that because if they were advocating that, they would have this thing situated where these hospitals would pay more attention and have more sympathy, empathy, and understand this process and, and bring these doulas in. To me, I think the hospitals feel a doula and a traditional doula is a threat to them. 
It's a threat to their educational level. It's a threat. Instead, they should be looking at the doula as a colleague. You are a colleague to me to help to make sure that we have this birth properly, safely, and that we can do the best we can for this uh, woman who is delivering this baby. Indeed. And I wanted to mention, too, that, you know, when we look at the numbers, we look at the numbers of Black maternal mortality, you know, infant mortality, perinatal mortality, and the numbers are based on a certain uh, criteria, a certain formula. So it doesn't necessarily mean that that is the actual number. That number really could be much higher than is actually reported. It is much higher. You know why? Let me tell you why. They use the number live births. They don't talk about births that were not live births. See, they fool you with that number when they say live births. But how about those births that didn't make it? You see, they don't want to count that. That's where they fool you. Absolutely right. Numbers are much higher. Indeed. And that and 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 that's a big problem. You know, it's you have a, a hospital team staff that doesn't care about you. You have even the people that do possibly care about you, black women that care about you. You have an educational system and their books tell you that black women don't feel pain at the same level. I read something the other day from a medical uh <laughs> book that was talking about the saturation levels of the oxygen levels and how dark skin when it when it has the lead in, in in the skin to read the oxygen level that darker skin doesn't give an accurate number once the saturation levels are low and the the doctor basically gets to make the decision whether to go with it or not so you put in people's lives in, in the hands of people that historically do not care about us. I agree. It's in the politicians who, who make the laws, who, who put different organizations together, who decide which, um, you know, whether there be local governments or different organizations, where does money go? Who gets the funding? Who gets the money to to say you have organizations that pop up and they have a good name. They got good representations. They got all of these things. But I know a group of women and midwives here in Delaware, Black and Indigenous birth workers of Delaware, Ubuntu, Family Health and Wellness. Um, There's a beautiful midwife, Dr. Michelle Drew. She we come together and we do community baby showers. We give her food. She's dropping off every single weekend, pampers, wipes, food to mothers in the community who most of the, the local politicians won't even step foot to knock on their door unless they're looking for a vote. See, but Sister Teresa, this is our fault. You understand? It's our fault because we understand this. Please understand this. Every hospital in that community is a 501c3. They have a fiduciary responsibility to take care of that community. If they don't take care of that community, they should lose that status. That status gives them so much ability to have so many write-offs and non-taxed money that's coming through their hospitals. If we live in that community, we have a right to that hospital. But if we don't stand together and make those representatives who are legislators in our community, who are black legislators, white legislators, I don't give a damn what color they are, we got to go to them and say, listen, this is what's going on and we ain't playing that. And if you continue to allow that and you don't intervene in that, you won't be here next year. We're going to make sure to go against you. 
That's what we're not doing. We're accepting these facts. Yes, I agree. We need to be able to do it on our own. But for those who can't, we still got to look out for them. And we need to have advocacy within the community that is putting these legislators on blast. You have a committee that should oversee that hospital and have those that information of mortality, I mean, morbidity and mortality, that has to be transparent. The community needs to know. And again, hold that hospital responsible. And you have the right to do that. This is not something that you have to uh, uh, legislate for. This is your right. And we're not using that as a tool to make these hospitals respond. Indeed. <laughs> I mean, I, I know for me personally, I've, you know, my team, I have a beautiful team of, of, of women that I work with. And, you know, we have absolutely sat at tables and had meetings, Zoom meetings, and, you know, due to COVID and, um, you know, been working with some of the politicians and, you know, really trying to balance that along with balancing the other part of it, which is just being there. You know, it takes a lot. Um, as a traditional doula to be there. So I can fight on that end, but I also have to keep my mind, my body in a, in a space to be able to constantly deal, to take, take mamas out of that, you know, mindset. I have to, I have to be the calm for you. Right. But see, my point, my point is not you fighting. There's men involved in this. These are kids of men. These are kids of men. So these men should be fighting this. Where are they at? That's what I'm talking about. See, that's why I say to us, a lot of us are cowards. A black men, some of us are cowards that won't step up no matter what. If you know in your community that this is happening, you got to step up. This is why I always say this. If I see a cat selling drugs in front of my house, he can't right. be there. He just can't be there. I'm not going to allow that. I'm going to approach him. I'm not going to let you destroy my community and get my kids all messed up. Black men got to stop this, man. They got to step up. If you know that these black babies, these are your babies. If the mothers are concentrating on delivery and the mothers are concentrating on other aspects, men have to step up and approach these, these, these legislators and these politicians and let them know they ain't taking this shit no more. Mm-hmm. And that's where we got our problem at. We can't depend on the women all the time. Black women have stood in front of us for hundreds of years. It's time for us to step to the side now. And I ain't talking about putting them behind us. Let's step to their side and let's support them. Let's move on these people if we have to and let them know we're not playing. That's the difference between a father and someone who calls himself a father. A father takes something further. He takes the child further, the family further. He protects it. And no matter what, and he will step to anyone that has any bad offerings to that family or that community. Indeed. Don't get me all hyped up now because I'm ready to put my my boxing shoes on and go out there and start boxing some people I'm on this support, bullshit. You know, and, you know, even, and not just that, but there's brothers, you know, and I, I always tell my team, like, you know, some of these, these rap artists that's out here, you rhyming in all of these songs that you talking about the problem. Help us. You know what I'm saying? Use your platform to talk about it. Serena Williams went through it. Beyonce went through it. There should be a lot more. Yeah to help the community to, to help with this stuff. I, there's, there's so many beautiful sisters. I, I wish that I can, you know, um, there's a sister up in Massachusetts, Necca Hall. She has so much that she brings to the table to try to help and try to get legislation. She's been fighting. There's so many women that are fighting and can use the support of men, but also can use the financial assistance so that we don't have to rely on that system. 
you know, that we don't have to go to them for every single little thing that we need in order to have the proper care centers that we need. That's where their responsibility is. See, I'm not going to let you off the hook because you're not giving it to me. If it's supposed to be mine, I'm coming to get it. If it's supposed to be mine, if that funding, see the funding for those hospitals are for outreach. Remember that. That means they have the responsibility for outreach. If outreach is securing a birthing center and funding that birthing center and giving financial aid to that birthing center and making sure that they have everything they need, then that's what they're supposed to do. But if you don't bring it to them and bring it to them in a way that they understand it, which is straight in their face, then they're not going to do it on their own. Every hospital has that responsibility to that community. Okay. And I've been doing this a long time. I've been fighting for black people and trying to fight these hospitals for a long time. And I made a lot of leadway, but I understand them. I understand how they work. I understand what the process is. And I understand on the political level. I understand on the policy level. And I understand on the worker level. For instance, the black doctors who are delivering these babies, they know this is true, but they are in a place where they can't speak up because those who do speak up are chastised, fired, and, and kicked out of that system. But they're afraid. Can't be afraid. Because let me tell you something. Your life is already set. Allah has already set the path. It's up to you now to distinguish it. In our opening, uh, Malcolm X said that the white man put black people's brains in paper bags and take it any way he wants and make you think anything you want to think. Well, listen to me. We got to take our brains out that paper bag. We got to come together as a community. We got to support these doulas. We got to get these numbers down on these black deaths. And we got to get back these babies from dying. And we got to make sure that there's proper follow-up. To do that, we got to get organized. And to get organized, we need to have these grassroots organizations funded. How do they get funded? We got to start writing for these grants and demanding the money from the legislators. They got the money. That's what they call pork. They bring the pork home. You know, we don't eat pork and we against pork, but they bring the money home from Washington. That's their job. Indeed. Indeed. And y'all live, live in a community where the damn president of the United States is from. <laughs> There's no way in hell black people should be in that community suffering from anything. You know, a good friend of mine, he um, I was talking to him about, you know, a few political type of things. And he made a good point. He said, um, he said, you know what, what they do? He said, for them, change is on paper. He said, they'll write a policy, they'll write things off and they'll put things into practice and they'll make things happen according to paper. And they say, we did it. We wrote a paper, we wrote it in a policy. But oftentimes you really find that there's no follow through or there's a selection on who gets the funding. There's So there's the difference between the traditional and non-traditional right? The, tra the traditional doula is going to get the funding because they have them in the, the pocket. They have them, you know, it's like you all, it's always a give take thing. Like you, you can't just give us the funding and step away and let us help our own people. You have to have an oversight. You want to have a foot in, you want me to report something to you. And, and for us, that's a problem. That's where we butt heads because we don't do regulation. In, in, in what we're trying to do. You really want to help the issue out. Who says that you have to be over us? You don't have the authority over us. So we don't have to do that. But my, but my point is this though, even if there's oversight, we write the oversight. 
So you still have the, so you still, the, the system is set where if there's oversight, we write the oversight. We write the oversight. They don't write the oversight for us. We write the oversight and say, this is the oversight that we're going to give you. We're going to give you this information, that information, this information. Give us the money. But see, this is traditionally, they don't give black people money on these type of situations right. anyway, because to them, it's a competitive nature to the hospital making money. But to me, it's an extension of the hospital, but that it should be controlled by committee within the community. I'm going to ask you this right now. When you leave this 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 uh, this interview, ask anybody over there in those hospitals, do they know one board member from Christiana Hospital? Do they know any board members from any of those hospitals? Name them. Nobody knows them because they're picking board members that are Listen to the CEO and the CFO, and they follow lead. We need to get blacks on those boards. We need to get black people in those communities. We need to get you on the board of the hospital, and what we can do. But unless we start to infiltrate these situations, because they are powerful, we're still always going to be a small entity. And these type of situations call for bold. Listen, we don't want to just win the medal, okay? We want to set the record. I don't want to just win a medal in this. I want to set the record. So we want these organizations, small organizations like yourself and others who are doing traditional doula to be a part of the mainstream of taking care of our people. And if it's funding that we need, it's funding that we got to chase. If it's oversight, we write the oversight. But we have to start somewhere. Okay, we just can't keep depending on each other when each other don't step up. I'll give you, for instance, right now, we should have fundraisers for these organizations. So there should be millions of dollars coming in there from all these athletes, from all these people when they see these numbers. But you're not going to do that because a lot of people ain't going to support it. They say they can support. They got good talk. But when it comes down to putting their dollars, they're not going to support it. So I say that we still have to have some representation for traditional doulas to make sure that their place is set in the medical system and that they are funded properly. They have research opportunities like everybody else. They have data-based opportunities. They have a connection within the community and they have a say at the table. That's my, my take. On I mean, I, I, I think that would be absolutely ideal, but, and, and also just having our own spaces along with that, you know, that, yes. that the combination of that would be awesome. And I would love, you know, to be able to sit down with you or whoever to write that oversight to, you know, to work with the, cause I, I mean, I've, I've had conversations. I've had conversations with the uh, Medicaid director. I've, you know, assisted with writing um, letters, which some of it has gotten some, you know, response when they were not allowing doulas in the hospital in um, Delaware. Um, my, myself as co-founder of organization, along with another sister, Janae Muhammad, um, Ubuntu, Michelle Drew, we came together, you know, and then doulas were allowed in the hospital as a part of the birth team, because before it was back and forth and we were not able to really be effective in the hospital during COVID. And, you know, um, the governor here kind of allowed certain <laughs> leeway with the, the, the board of directors there at the hospital. We know some politicians who have, you know, sat at the table and kind of used us as a um, go-between for information um, in some ways while at those tables with the board of directors. What we have to do is this. I'm going to talk to you off offline. And I'm going I'm to hook something up here. And I'm going to show you how to, I'm going to show y'all what I talk about. You know, when I, your husband came to Vigitzo to train, 
And uh, I told him, I said, man, you got to put your hand in that guy's eye when he grabbed you like that. He said, brother, I don't put my hand in the guy's eye. I said, well, think about him breaking in your house and your family's in there. He put his hand in that eye <laughs> fast. Okay. So he learned that quick. I'm going to put my hand right in that eye. So therefore, we have to start looking at a small state like Delaware. With those legislators there, it just should not be an issue. Those organizations that you're talking about, if we can get some representatives on the phone with me of the, of the doulas organization, traditional doulas, to talk, and we can figure out who the legislators are, and we can figure out what hospital that we want to go after and how we want to be able to move, I bet I can show you how to do it. There's no question in my mind about it. I know that system. I know it very well. And I know what their responsibility is. But we have to be able to say, uh, we're going to have certain people handle certain situations. For instance, when you have a war, everybody is not on the front line fighting. You got some people doing supply. You got some people giving out information. You got some people doing intelligence. Everybody don't have to fight. What we need to do is put a committee together that's doing the fighting while you sisters are doing the main work of saving lives. That's, that's perfect. I love it. I love it. I look forward right. to it. I look forward to more of these. I look, I thank you. I truly thank you for um, shedding light on your platform on this issue because more needs to be done. And, you know, our sisters are dying. You know, our babies are dying. And Definitely. the same energy that, you know, is being put into the our, our men being killed in the streets. Our women are dying in the hospitals. I saw someone right. say that and make that comparison. Right. And it's absolutely true. They treat black women like dogs in a hospital. And it's acceptable. It's acceptable. And black men don't typically go you know, to the hospital like that. But they get in us wherever they can find us, you know. And 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 my heart is with with our, our people, you know, and I truly thank you. Um for this platform and for, for shedding light on these issues. Thank you. And I want to say one thing. And if people think it's based on the economics, it's not. It doesn't, make, it doesn't matter how much money you make as a Black person. They treat you the same no matter what. And that's statistically there if they want to deal with data. That means a Black woman and a, uh, who, who is making, let's say, $100,000 a year and a white woman who's making $100,000 a year, that Black woman still facing the same problems with data. The number of births that are, that are dying and the maternal births that are dying. Still the same data. Doesn't make how much how much insurance you got or how much money you got. So we got to put it together. But you and I are going to work on this problem. You know what I mean? We got a, we got a big enough club uh, that we're dealing with that we should be able to make some noise uh, to be able to make them change their position. I look forward to it. Now, can you give us, give me some information on how people can contact you and find more information about doulas and, and how you work with, you know, with the community and how you help these sisters out and, and give me some information sure. on that. Um, my website is traditionaldoula.com. Um, I'm on Facebook, A-Liz Traditional Doula is A-L-A and then Traditional Doula. Um, I'm on Instagram, A-L-A Tradition. Um, you can find me, uh, really, you can um, email me. My email is A-L-A-T-R-A-D-I-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. That's Ayla Traditional Tradition at gmail.com. Let me say that again. Ayla Tradition at gmail.com. Um, and I can, you know, just reach out. I, I live for this. This is what I do. <laughs> day in and day out is birth, 